Welcome back to New World Next Week. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And I'm James Evan Pilato of MediaMonarchy.com. I hold an inexplicable emotional attachment to the royals. We've got that story. Plus, occupied Palestine intelligence operations, a.k.a. Epstein pedogate updates. But first, a different kind of intelligence operation. All hell breaks loose in Pakistan, in nuclear-armed Pakistan, after Imran Khan's arrest. We grabbed this from Zero Hedge and our buddies at Activist Post. All hell is breaking loose in Pakistan amid fears there could be a slide into widespread civil unrest or even full-blown civil war. After on Tuesday, the former Prime Minister Imran Khan was arrested and taken into police custody while he was entering the Islamabad High Court for a hearing in a case. The 70-year-old cricketer-turned-politician has been pursued in court filings by Pakistan's anti-corruption agency, but the dramatic move to actually detain Khan is a huge and unprecedented escalation, threatening to unleash mayhem in the streets of a nuclear-armed country. His party, the PTI, immediately called for mass protests, which quickly exploded across multiple cities and in front of police and military locations, including in the capital, Islamabad, but also in Lahore, Karachi, Rawalpindi, Peshawar, according to international reports. Viral images and video of Khan being escorted by security forces in riot control gear and whisked away in an armored van are fueling anger in the streets. A government statement has said the arrest was for the crime of corruption. According to Al Jazeera, Khan has been slapped with more than 100 cases, including corruption, terrorism, which is in quotes, and even blasphemy, since he was removed from power last April through a paramilitary—I'm no, sorry, not paramilitary—parliamentary vote of no confidence. It's tough to keep the two different sometimes. Heightening the risk of national instability is the fact that many of Khan's well-placed enemies are top military and intelligence officials. A Pakistan political analyst said, Ever since this whole process started with ousting the former prime minister 13 months ago, it's become crystal clear that the ruling political elite, as well as the establishment in the country, did not want Imran Khan back in any capacity, in any ruling capacity. Now, James, you know what's an interesting search to run? Because I just had a feeling. Imran Khan, Obama. Khan was oftenly, openly wondering aloud, why is this black American Democrat Peace Prize president terrorizing my country with flying killer robots? We need some peace, he said. Pakistan, of course, being one of the five wars, Obama added on to Bush's two. So, James, am I, am I off base here, or is it quite probable that this here fruit was from seeds planted about a decade ago? That's certainly part of it, yeah. Um, and if we wanted to pursue that line of thinking, perhaps the, uh, the thing that we would bring up is the tweet that, uh, Imran Khan made shortly after his ouster last April, where he said, my question for the Biden administration, by indulging in a regime change conspiracy to remove a democratically elected PM of a country of over 220 million people to bring in a puppet PM, do you think you've lessened or increased anti-American sentiment in Pakistan? So yeah, there's definitely, uh, no... No lack of uh, acrimony between Khan and the U.S., or is there? Because although that made big news at the time, and I have the feeling that we covered that or at least mentioned it on New World Next Week, although I couldn't pull it up in, uh, while I was preparing for this episode. But at any rate, um, that did make some news. Khan says there was a U.S. conspiracy to oust him. Um, apparently, uh, that was followed up in November of last year. Imran Khan's U-turn. 
no longer blaming U.S. for his ouster as PM, which actually I think maybe oversells it, at least from what they're quoting of him any, uh, in here anyway. Anyway, he's sort of saying, well, I'm I'm moving forward with this, and we will not let propaganda, misinformation, and disinformation get in the way of any bilateral relationship with the U.S., including our valued um, bilateral partnership with uh, oh, Pakistan. Sorry, that was the U.S. State Department spokesman. But anyway, yeah, Khan is basically was saying, well, we'll move on from that whole conspiracy to oust me as the prime minister. <laughs> so I don't know. There are some weird developments there. But certainly there has been over the years um, some statements that Khan has made that shows that he's not exactly as conveniently pliable a puppet as I'm sure the U.S. would like to have in Pakistan, for example, back in June of 2021, uh, when Khan ruled out the idea of hosting CIA bases for use against Afghanistan. And then uh, there was the 2019 a statement that he made, Pakistani army trained Al-Qaeda. But back when jihadis were the heroes, PM Khan admits. So <laughs> again, there's some, there's definitely some things where he wasn't exactly playing ball, or at least wasn't as pliable as a puppet as I think the U.S. State Department would want in that position, especially given Pakistan's role in the China-Pakistan economic corridor, which is an important part of the One Belt, One Road idea. So it's a politic geopolitically sensitive and important um, place right now, and I think they obviously the U.S. State Department and other outside interests would benefit from having a very pliable puppet person in position of power. And Khan is still too popular and has too much support amongst the public. They want him out of the way. No prospect of him ever coming back. So dramatic SWAT team arrest. But I think the the real key of this article that we're quoting from here um, is down towards the bottom where. They, they point to one um, pro-con opposition social media user saying, this is unprecedented in Pakistani history. Pakistani people are taking the protests to the army, the real rulers of the country, finally. And they do point out that um, people had stormed a Pakistani army headquarters in Rawalpindi, which is pretty, yeah, pretty big news in a nation like Pakistan. And in, to be honest, in a lot of places, um, I hope this will bring to mind, for example, episode 202 of Corbett Report podcast, How to Overthrow a Dictator, where I was talking back during the Arab Spring hype. Oh my God, you know, Mubarak is gone. Yay. But what have they replaced him with? Who has replaced him? Who is still in power in the country? Oh yeah, the military, the intelligence. It's the same clique that is still ruling the country. So in this case... Are the Pakistani people really going to rise up against the, the actual ruling power of the country and really go at the military and the intelligence complex that's ruling over them? Maybe. Maybe at least they're starting to. At least the, uh, the prospect of that has been raised. Anyway, it will definitely be something worth keeping our eye on. Hmm. So, James, in just doing a little bit of extra searching for this, uh, Biden just sent 1,500 troops to the U.S., Hexaco, the southern border. Now I'm wondering, it's like, oh, is this going to be another place where it's, we're just going to, we're going to have to send some advisors into the situation to kind of monitor in Pakistan. All I could find searching Biden, Pakistan was Biden offers half a million dollar grant for English teachers in Pakistan that focus on transgender youth ages 13 and up. Of course, which which was the style at the time. In other heads of state news, James, I talked about a lot of this actually in, in brief ways on my Morning Monarchy shows. In Brazil, Bolsonaro raided aid arrested amid fake COVID-19 vaccination records scandal. Brazilian police raid ex-president Bolsonaro's home in COVID vaccine data probe. They maybe lied about getting the clot shot. 
So recall that is uh, recently sketchy elections and then the immediate CBDC push from the new far left regime in Brazil. So of course, I guess they're still heavily invested in the COOF scam as well. This just in on Neural Next Week, episode 518. Your selected officials are warmongers at best, pedos at worst. Former Israeli Prime Minister and head of Israeli military intelligence Ehud Barak visited Epstein's apartment monthly. From Information Liberation and Blacklisted News, former Israeli Prime Minister and head of Israeli military intelligence Ehud Barak visited Jeffrey Epstein's New York City apartment dozens of times between 2013 and 2017, Pretty bombshell documents obtained by the Wall Street Journal have revealed. After Epstein was arrested in 2019, photos were published in newspapers showing Mr. Barack, the Israeli politician, entering Epstein's townhouse in 2016, the Wall Street Journal reported, with extra pictures of all kinds of girls heading into there as well. The documents provide new details about his scheduled meetings. They show that between 2013 and 2017, Epstein planned at least three dozen meetings with Mr. Barack. They had appointments for every month for 11 consecutive months starting in December 2015. Mr. Barack told the journal he was introduced to Jeffrey Epstein in 2003 by Shimon Perez, another former prime minister of Israel, at a social event with U.S. dignitaries, and that he would regularly visit Epstein when he traveled to New York. Quite often, I came to the townhouse with my wife, Mr. Barack said. I never participated in any party or any improper event around Epstein and never met with him, met him with girls or minors or even adult women in improper context or behavior, Barack said as he was being photographed, hiding his face, sneaking into Epstein's New York City townhouse in 2016. Barack didn't say he was with his wife after getting exposed by the Daily Mail, but did claim that he never met with Epstein in the company of women or young girls. Epstein entered a partnership worth millions with Ehud Barak in 2015. Among others, of course, included on all of this that we know about, pro-Israel billionaire Leon Black, who funded Epstein together with pro-Israel billionaire Les Wexner, because now we know what Victoria's Secret was, to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars, scheduled more than 100 meetings with Epstein, again, from 2013 to 2017. Epstein also met with former U.S. Secretary of the Treasury, Larry Summers, after Epstein's conviction for child solicitation. Billionaire LinkedIn co-founder, had to look him up a little bit, James, Microsoft board member and just all-around soy boy spook, Reid Hoffman, caught staging false flag operations with fake Russian bots to influence the Alabama Senate election in 2017. Take that, Roy Moore. And, of course, he visited Epstein's pedophile island. Hoffman has been using his wealth to pour money into electing pro-Israel Democrats, funding the E. Jean Carroll rape lawsuit against D.J. Trump, this just in, guilty. And, of course, working with George Soros to censor the free and open internet. That's Man, that's not even the half of it, James, from this Wall Street Journal report. Seems Mr. The Unvaccinated should just remove themselves from society. Chomsky likes to hang out with pedos, too. Renowned MIT academic and hero to the fake left sellout punks now reaping what they've sowed. Noam Chomsky told the Wall Street Journal his meetings with Epstein are none of your business. Quote, First response is that it's none of your business, or anyone's. Second then is that I knew him and we met occasionally. I'm unaware of the principle that requires I inform you about an evening spent with a great artist, end quote, Chomsky94 told the Wall Street Journal in an email. And what great artist is that smarmy gnome talking about? 
Woody Allen planned to hang out with Epstein nearly every month for two straight years after Epstein pleaded guilty. James, it's obviously this was something, maybe just all good business people do this. Regular monthly meetings. We have to stay on the same page, you guys. We will, of course, link to the original Wall Street Journal piece archived for your enjoyment. Epstein's private calendar reveals prominent names, including, oh, the head of the CIA and Goldman Sachs' top lawyer. That's right, CIA's William Burns, Goldman Catherine Rumler, the aforementioned Noam Chomsky, uh, let's see, a Kissinger consultant, a Rothschild, and others, all met with Jeffrey Epstein in the years after his conviction. James, what could the CIA and Israel and Woody Allen and the Rothschilds, let alone Gates, Trump, Clinton, Musk, Spacey, Groening, what could they possibly all have in common, James? Uh, I'll take sexual blackmail for a billion dollars, James. Yeah. Ding, mm. ding, ding. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, but, I mean, let's be, let's fact check a little here. Uh, the uh, Musk only went to Epstein's place one time and only for like half an hour. And he didn't really, uh, he didn't like the guy and he didn't stay very long. And there you go. Which seems to be the uh, 2023 sick, disgusting wrenching, horrible, screen-crawling update of the I didn't inhale from the 90s. Remember that? Well, now it's, oh, I only went there once, and it was only for half an hour. I'd, I left my pants on while I was getting the massage, or whatever the, the latest excuse is. Although that does tend to break down when you have the regular monthly meeting every single month for two years. Yeah, I had no idea what was going on. Ridiculous, right? And skin-crawling enough. Um, perhaps... I'm not sure if these these new documents obviously provide more information and flesh out the story a little bit more. I'm not sure there was this is necessarily oh my god groundbreaking news uh, that he was meeting with these types of people. But at any rate, there's more information that people now have to uh, to at least uh, to to look at and to consider who we should be considering and who we should be uh, listening to when it comes to matters economic, political, or otherwise. Uh, so. Uh, there is that, but if people really want the the big background on this and what it, the story really, really, really was about and how deep it goes, obviously I will recommend One Nation Under Blackmail, uh, Whitney Webb. Um, obviously that is the deep dive and I hope people will check it out. Elon, I think, like, he liked to hang out with Ghislaine Maxwell a lot more. He, he liked to, you know. <laughs> James, uh, it really, I've been hanging out. I'm... Anybody who knows Media Monarchy knows I'm a giant Woody Allen fan. I think he's one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. I've been hanging on weekly, to, meaning with not much strength, to this, no, oh, maybe it's not known. Those pictures don't even look like they're hanging out together. It looks like it's just Epstein photobombing Woody and soon. There's nothing, there's absolutely, absolutely nothing left for any of that anymore. And that seems like what this last three to six to seven years have really been about, James. Finally, on this New World Next Week episode. Oh, no, wait, sorry. Let me mention before we move on, an extra fun idea. Another thing I mentioned recently on Morning Monarchy petition for Elon Musk. Because again, you can tweet at him and man, he'll sometimes engage it and go, hey, that's an interesting idea. Here's a good one for Mr. Broken Clock, Elon Musk. How about Twitter red check marks for all known Epstein associates on Twitter and watch them immediately scurry. 
But would Musk give himself a red check mark? That's the question. <laughs> that's see, that's that's the problem. He would, yeah, he would have to play and just sort of go along with, yeah. Again, great ideas, but probably not going <laughs> to happen. We will continue to destroy what little shreds of respect you might have for some sacred cows on this third and final story on Neural Next Week, episode 518. I mentioned this Monday morning on my Morning Monarchy because, of course, James, while we are away, King Chuck and the big old Green King coronation took place in the UK over the weekend. And there was more than one person in my chat Monday morning. It was like, what? I liked Nick Cave. Nick Cave explains why he's going to King Charles III's coronation. Of course, this has all already happened. He's all already gone. This was published from Condé Nast's hipster pitchfork. Nick Cave apparently going to the coronation of King Charles III and the Queen Consort Camilla and the King and Queen of the United Kingdom and the Commonwealth Realms. Thank you, Pitchfork, for clarifying. He also apparently doesn't care what anyone thinks about his decision to attend. In a new edition of his newsletter, The Red Hand Files, a play on Red Right Hand, one of his most famous songs, Cave responded to four readers who asked, some incredulously, why the overrated musician was choosing to go to the coronation. Quote, I'll make this a quick one, because i got to go work out what I'm going to wear. I'm not a monarchist, nor am I a royalist, nor am I an ardent Republican for that matter. Who I am also not is so spectacularly incurious about the world and the way it works, so ideologically captured, so damn grouchy as to refuse an invitation to what will more than likely be the most important historical event in the UK of our age. You see see how smug they are? Chumsky and Cave and the lot, when rightfully asked by their rabid fan base, hey, why, why does it seem like you're selling out everything you ever rock and roll posered as in service of Trump derangement syndrome and, of course, Big Pharma? Nick Cave also wrote that he once met Queen Elizabeth II and that he surprisingly found himself crying while watching her funeral, which I believe took place six months, six weeks, and six days from King Charles' coronation. I haven't fact-checked that one yet. I guess what I'm trying to say is that beyond the interminable, but also necessary debates about the abolition of the monarchy, I hold an inexplicable emotional attachment to the royals. The strangeness of them. The deeply eccentric nature of the whole affair that so perfectly reflects the unique weirdness of Britain myself. I'm just kind of drawn to that thing. The bizarre, the uncanny, the stupefyingly spectacular, the awe-inspiring, he explained. Folks might recall we previously saw the goth rock Dracula, who strangely has had two of his four kids die. We last saw him in August 2021 and his sudden advocacy for vaccines and hating on ivermectin and again, just being a smug goth dad. Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds released an album called Kicking Against the Pricks over 35 years ago. And what do you know? 35 years later, Nick caved in and he's one of them promoting the maggot jabs because as you can go read right on his Wikipedia page, he is an officer of the Order of the Australian Crown because all the best punk rebels always get knighted by pedo-Nazis. Right, James? Wait, I'm, I'm sensing a... I'm sensing a through line here, because I'm sure Nick Cave and King Chuck and the whole creepy retinue, I'm sure they were all a little bit sad that longtime family friend Jimmy Savile couldn't be there to share this momentous day with him. Or hell, I don't know really anything what to doubt anymore. Maybe Savile and Epstein were both there, just boogieing down to the oh-so-British sounds of Katie Eiglitch Perry and Lionel Plastic Surgery Disaster Richie. James, what a ridiculous affair. 
Yeah, but there's nothing like the coronation of a new blood-drinking reptile to serve over the peasants uh, to bring out those types of that fakery and the people who will kowtow to power to get where they are. So why mm -hmm. not? At least we get to see them for who they really are at this point. Um, and yeah, let that sink in. Let Really, truly let that sink in. If, uh, if Lizard Beast had kicked the bu bucket a decade earlier... Uh, Savile would have been at that coronation, would have been sitting there, would have been, you know, a guest of honor, a VIP invite, perhaps an actual advisor to the king, as he was an advisor to the Prince of Wales back when he was the Prince of Wales. So, whew, yeah, you can't make this stuff up. It's absolutely disgusting, but at least we get to see who these people are, and they, we get to see them pledge their fealty and allegiance, and, hey, guys, why are you judging me? Well, okay, <laughs> we'll just continue to uh, to make note, make a list of who uh, who is kowtowing to these uh, d disgusting, tyrannical tyrants. That's, I mean, that's the thing I've been hung up on again these last three, six, seven years, is the complete exposure, and again, They've done it themselves because of the overreaction to Trump. They've, I, I, for everything, bad religion and the dead kid and Nick Cave and all of these people have all exposed themselves for what I think they've really always been. And James, again, you and I have talked about this off microphone. The overarching political paradigm of our entire lives completely upended. So again, Jella Biafra and Nick Cave telling me to get the jab while jocks are saying, yeah, I wouldn't do that if I were you. <laughs> what on earth is going on, man? We'll, of course, include the link to, oh, that's right, Meet King Charles, the Great Resetter, the brand new episode in long form. It's a whole podcast video episode, right, James? I have not gotten to see it yet. It's a podcastumentary, if you want to put it that way, yeah. But um, I hope people will check it out if they haven't yet. Because that's got, I believe in messaging with Brock, he was like, oh my God, I'm just, I have to look at these monsters. I've had to look at Jimmy Savile. So he, he makes, of course, illustrious appearances in there. Uh, unfortunately so, yeah. You can't tell the royal story without including a bit of Jimmy. Isn't that interesting? And that is New World Next Week, episode 518. Yes, indeed, brand new Media Monarchy 2023 baseball caps. They are red, six-panel, organic, cotton baseball cap. One size fits all. These are hot off the presses, and they are moving pretty quickly, and we don't have a million of them. Meanwhile, maybe bury the lead. Oh, that's right. The brand new Corbett Report 2011 data archive. That is on the USB flash drive. 13 gigs of data, every audio, video, text file from every Corbett Report production from 2011. Those are also in stock and shipping from NewWorldNextWeek.com. Again, we're not trying to sell you quick fixes of this and vitality that. We're selling you the work that we do and the work that we work on. That, I think, means a heck of a lot. So yes, there's some shirts, there's some DVDs, there's some caps, and more. And that is all at NewWorldNextWeek.com, and that supports both of our work and keeps us fear-free and ad-free. I stream news, music, memes, and more Monday through Friday, 9 to 5 Mountain Time at MediaMonarchy.com slash listen. Again, James, there it is, our triumphant return, New World Next Week 518. How was Golden Week? Oh, <laughs> golden. It was golden. Yeah, we had a good time, and we had a barbecue in the park, and I... 
managed to not light the tree on fire um, with the barbecue. Anyway, um, but you said uh, we have shirts, we have caps, we have... I thought you said cats. I was like, oh no, Frankie, you're selling Frankie? Anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, anyway, no, on that that's... note, it's good to be back on New World next week, and I'm looking forward to it again next week. Take care, buddy. All right, buddy. Thank you. Take care. <laughs>